met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee. And for tonight, we're being joined by, uh, he's an author, a stormmason, and a researcher who's been filming with um, the Lost Relics of the Knights Templars, uh, to name but few. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sir Sean Williamson. Now then, Sean. Now then, now then, General <laughs> Lee. Nice to be here. Okay, nice to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, been looking forward to this, Sean. Great, yeah, me too, me too. Um, already, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, before we begin, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's seanwilliamson.com, and that's Sean spelled S H A W N Williamson.com. And you can pre order my book, which I think a lot of people will. Uh, have a great interest in uh, via this website and there's also a promotional the quest this promotional video on that as well and various options that you can pre-order Questus with uh, a Knight Templar sword and uh, there's various other options on the website for you to uh, to have a look before the main book comes out in uh, early October Nice, mate. Nice. Uh, I mean, I've seen the video myself, and um, it sounds fantastic. It really does. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's based on, it's almost downloaded from what's been happening, you know, for the last five years, the intensity of, uh, you know, the spiritual, uh, the 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 new emergence of a spirituality against uh, a technocratic uh, AI type thing that's going on with people, uh, and you know this so-called great reset that they, that they're talking about. But it goes it's it's in a, it's in the realms of the imagination where a pe- person can feel at home at. But it also there's a transcendency will take place in people after they've read it they will they will get it but it's it's the words numerology and uh, the way it's written will be will you know embed itself really in people's subconscious yeah yeah that i like i mean yeah speaks for yourself um, i think it'll attract a lot of uh, attention yeah no that 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 that's great uh, I felt like I've, you know, I've done the right thing with it, and it is, 
you know, by going into the, the enabler, I guess, is a person's imagination. That will take you into the other realm where people will get the messages and it's done done in a very entertaining way. Brilliant, brilliant. So, uh, Sean, mm-hmm. do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, please, mate? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I left comprehensive school in Morecambe and when I was 16, I thought, you know, I was going to do better at school. I didn't. I, w- I ended up going to Canada and my my old fellow was over there. He was an officer on the Great Lakes. And, you know, he's, my mother said to him, you know, we've got to try and get him started somewhere. And I ended up as a kind of a trainee merchant seaman. Uh, but I always wanted to sculpt. And I ended up meeting this Inuit uh, Eskimo guy in Thunder Bay on Lake Superior when I was, you know, 17. And he took me to buy soapstone, which they they carve. And that was the first carving experience I had. And the idea was I was going to, you know, up my education and then come back to the UK to... uh, to study stone carving and sculpture sort of professionally at a college, uh, which I did. And I don't know why, you know, I don't know why, you know, if if, if in a normal sense of the word, uh, I would have stayed at sea, become an officer, and that would have been my life. But I had to do something that was going to make me... uh, that was going to stretch me in ways that I didn't think I would be able to be stretched in, you know, from feast feast and famine, fighting for a living, self-employed, and trying to, you know, use my creative uh, talents. I was was a a good writer and uh, I was very imaginative, but I felt that school had let me down. But when I got to Canada, uh, I improved my education, really through community college and you know did what was necessary to get me through university but i decided not to go i wanted to go to stone carving college instead and later i did the uh you know the university thing uh, as a mature student right right is that was that like um would that have been degree level that or yeah, that was that was a degree level, but it's, right. it's a more more academic, paper based qualification system rather than what I'd learned as a uh, an operative stonemason. Yeah. You know, yeah. I worked on Carlisle Cathedral. You know, I work sometimes between Manchester and the far north, sometimes in, into Scotland. It was mainly learning about stone and carving figures. And trying to work out, I was going to cultivate my mind to become uh, better, more more connected, shall we say, know more about the truth about the planet, how it works, what's going on in the world. And yeah. it's taken a long time because we, you know, welcome to the real world. You know, it's 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 a hard, you know, it's a hard uh, ball plow to to plow. You know. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. It's um, it's constantly changing, isn't it? And it just seems to be getting worse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. Th- it seems like it's never been so worse with 
with what's going on. But, you know, it seems to be moving away from the idea of God and nature and, and all the things that have made the world uh, fascinating and an enabling for a lot of people to this kind of mass control of, uh, you know, being told what to do, what to think, how to behave. And I think everybody's aware of that now. And I think it's coming to a kind of a breaking point or something, a bursting point. But it certainly helped me and, you know, be more adventurous, shall we say. And, you know, when I got the chance to go to South America, which was in 2018, uh, why it came along, I don't know. It just did. I, I met uh, uh, a lady that was involved in art in the Lake District. and. Uh, I'd only known her a week and she said, did I want to go back and live on an island in Chiloé, in South Chile, just on the top of Patagonia in actual fact. So, of course, I said, you could have said no, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I, how, how many times do you get such an opportunity? Well, I, you know, I seem to, I seem to be able to fall into those roles or opportunities, and it seemed to be connected to my search. I think for, you know, for God, and, uh, you know, I, I became, yeah, uh, I've been involved in the church as a, as a Methodist and stuff when I was at school for a little bit and stuff, but just like anybody else, it was sort of some Sunday school and sandwiches and. Uh, you know, the big thing happened for me when uh, I was on Lake Superior in a horrendous storm. On uh, it was called the Canadian Hunter, and we nearly sank. And that's when you start to realise what life's about. And you know, at eighteen, I was eighteen when that storm kicked in. Uh, and of course, the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot had written about, sung about that, had sunk, sunk nearby where my the vessel I was on nearly went down, which was a 750-foot long freighter. And, you know, by God, I got down on my knees and prayed because I, I didn't want to, you, you, you've yeah. got three minutes to survive, you know. And, uh, of course, I started to see things differently from there on in. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, like I said, you've got a couple of minutes there. What else would you think about? Well, you've got, you think that, you know, you can see your life, what brief life I'd had, you know, flashing, you know, in front of you. And, uh, you know, as the, the vessel's twisting and turning, 750 foot long, a bulk freighter and being hammered about, you just, yes, yes. you know, you feel pretty vulnerable. And, uh, you know, I just basically dropped to my knees and prayed. And the strange things was that within, uh, within five minutes, everything started to calm down, you know? Yeah. And that immediacy of, facing your own death didn't feel so bad you know and yeah, then it starts yeah. start to calm down and then you realize 
but it looks like we're going to make it, you know. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing was that most of the people uh, on the ship at the time, were on, we had a skeleton crew because they'd gone uptown in Thunder Bay and got hammered and they were on all sorts of uh, drugs and all the rest of it. And some of them slept through it, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, there was just me, you know, trying to unplug scuppers and, you know, let water flow out that was coming in, you know, yeah. rooms filling up and freezing water in November. It was November when this occurred. Uh, yeah. It was about 1979 or 80. I can't, 79, I think it was. 79. Some years back. Yeah. I was only, what, two years old I'd have been then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, being around a bit, I suppose, and... Uh, yeah. It, anyway, it led me to want to be more creative, expand my creativity somehow to get some depth of feeling for something else. It was, you know, the beginnings of trying to become aware of the planet and surroundings and what comes after this, shall we say, I, I, I believe. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done quite well as a sculptor. I mean, I've, had, I've got 27 public commissions all, all over the country, including sculpting a 11-ton Herdwick ram that was unveiled by the Prince of Wales. Uh, but, yeah, so big stuff like that, really. And uh, enjoyed it, but it brought me into wanting to know more about cathedrals and stone buildings. Uh, and that's how I met Andrew Sinclair, the famous writer and author, you know, who wrote books on the Holy Grail. And I became his researcher in 1999. 1999. Yeah. So, um, that must have been, um, I mean, because he's pretty well known, Andrew Sinclair as well, isn't he? Yeah, that's, you know, I met him by chance. I've been trying to connect with him since I'd read his book, The Sword and the Grail, which is about the history of the Knights Templar. And I'd been interested that in been, it. Uh, that must have changed your course again. Well, it did, but I yeah. was working as a stonemason in the far north of Scotland, involved in Sinclair Castle's restoration project, and that's how I met Andrew, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, I had an expertise in stone masonry and how buildings, medieval buildings particularly, were constructed. And my particular thing was medieval carving, but I was investigating uh, Knight Temp Templar tombstones or the evidence, you know, of Knight Templar tombstones. And he'd been writing about them similarly as well. And that's how we connected. And uh, I remember we were at the uh, one of the Highland Games in the north up there and uh, turned up with a, a, he used to like his wine, did Andrew, particularly Chateau Neuf de Pap. But I'll tell you a story about that later because 
every time I went to visit him in London, he always got the Chateau Neuf de Pap out, which is <laughs> kind of <laughs> expensive. Uh, well, it's pretty expensive, but it's a it's a very good uh, no sulfates type wine that he, had, he you know he enjoyed. Uh, but whilst we're up at the Sinclair Gurnigal uh, Castle, the uh, the May Games it was called, he got uh, a box of wine and uh, we we tucked into that together, which was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know from seeing the the video, what Andrew found. Did were there any any other artifacts with such a significance? In your there was, yeah, there was there was there was there was talk of other Grails being at Rosslyn Chapel, but the one he discovered, uh, which is on film, he proclaimed it to be an ordinary stonemason's drinking vessel, you know? Yeah. And then we never hear much about it from there on in. Uh, but basically, he left it to me, he gave it to me. You know, I've got it in safe safe hiding, actually, because yeah, I, I just don't idea. know... <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the extent of of what it is. And but I know that there's... You know, for me, it's been a, a key to writing the book as well, yeah. Questus, yeah. which is a key in pe a key to people's imagination as well. It's uh, it's a prompt, and this event actually took place in real life at Roslyn Chapel. It's on film, and this is before it became Dan Brown Da Vinci Code famous. You know, right, right. And so, to me, it's really probably one of the only things that's come out of the uh, the vaults of significance. We have yeah. papers and writings about uh, what was found there, what they thought was there, uh, is another thing. But it's certain people know certain things, but. There are metal containers down there. There are uh, there are writings about Father Hay, who was a priest for the Sinclairs there of Roslyn, finding knights buried in full armour down there, but laid out rather than just to sort of mummify or dry out. And then yeah. when this when this guy opened one of the the, the helms. Uh, Apparently, one of them kind of turned to dust, which is a bit sort of uh, Adam's family stuff, really. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And, of course, it's reputed that the Ark of the Covenant was there or is still there. And I, I allude to that in the book, Questus, which is it's a prominent uh, tool, shall we say, uh, to... To, to letting Questus uh, move move through time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's it, there's a lot. It, it's quite intense, but it seems like every twist and turn that I made, even when I was in Canada and the USA, it all has led back to this one event and the writing of this book. 
the whole heritage thing with stone and all you know making a living carving and yeah. working on buildings and you know um, whatever else I had to do building walls etc you know enable me to meet Andrew Sinclair who taught me to write uh, professionally yeah uh, so sort of you know you couldn't get that tutorage at any university you know and um, yeah. I'm not what you would call Mr academically uh ivory tower type person um you know i'm tied into what i call oblique lateral research techniques which hopefully you know looks into areas uh with a different perspective or a different way of looking at things and so far it's brought brought lots of uh fruit you know yeah and yeah, yeah. So you've got all these things happening together, including, you know, the meeting up, meeting Andrew Sinclair and him handing over his research on the Templars, which I've got now, and me wanting to, you know, the certain secrets, shall we say, that I was party to, that I wanted to convey in fiction, sometimes to write fiction is a more powerful medium than if you would to write it like an academic for instance and yeah, i'm a yeah. lot lot better with my imagination than i am with uh shall we say you know dead dusty facts yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah 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 so that's that's a brief sort of entry into into the questus thing um like everybody else it i brought that forward you know i was carrying all this information and i i wanted to put it into writing a book that would help people resolve perhaps inner issues because the main uh character in the book angus mcwilliam who's a grail knight but he doesn't know it he's you know right. been, a, been a grail knight in the medieval time and he keeps getting flashbacks and doesn't know what's happening and his grail knight persona is activated shall we say uh, through different portals Roslyn chapel being one and then in the book in when he goes to chile the city of light which is a knight's templar base which has been going since the medieval times and it is there's an alliance taking place between uh refugee knights templar uh, yeah. who keep their keep their sect going keep their business going but they've combined with the pirate brethren who were down in this area in Chiloe anyway. There's m m so much myth and legends and, and truth based on pirate activity in these areas in South America. So I combine that together and they, you know, eventually Angus com comes upon the City of Light. I mean, where, where did you go in there, Sean? Uh, like in Patagonia area? Uh, 
it's like like from your experiences there. Oh well, um, it's the strangest thing, you know. I mean, suddenly I'm on this island, and yeah. I used to row around it, you know, because obviously I've been at sea. I knew small boats and stuff, and all they had was this old uh, clinker built. Uh, rowing boat, rather big. I think it was called a skiff. And I used to go out rowing around the little islands, exploring by myself. Eh? And right. I, would, I was basically looking for more information on the pirate brethren and yeah. trying to get more information on the uh, legends of the Templars down there, uh, especially in Patagonia, where they found, you know, what they think are Templar forts or places where uh, Europeans, shall we say, have been, have been. And so I was doing that and all the time thinking, whilst I was exploring these places, it was feeding the book, if you will. Yeah, yeah, so, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and you can imagine getting that kind of... And it was all, you know, it was totally new. I was living off mussels there, there was you know mussels you know being grown on ropes around the island and we had yeah. mussels yeah. every day we used to go and pick them and it was a totally different life than you would expect you know very rural very very ancient yeah. in many ways and you know not far from the kalbuku volcano which uh, erupted in 1963 and it killed thousands of people I th sorry i think it was about 3000 people lost their lives the, one of the That's biggest lot, it? explosion and uh, there was one case down in valdivia uh, where there was a guy it was it was on television i'm pretty certain of it uh, said he died sometime after it was an old guy and he said he'd see he'd seen after this whilst this eruption was taking place the sea go out in this particular area and it didn't come back in again and apparently what he'd seen on the uh, in the shallows he ended up going insane with what he'd seen you know really? and yeah yeah and that that was quite interesting to me because it was the biggest earthquake I think that the earth has known in, in modern history anyway. So I included some of that, you know, the Kalbuku volcano yeah. uh, as one of the props, shall we say, in Questus. And, you know, I'm not going to go give all the book away, but obviously it's connected to the City of Light and the City of Light, in a way, is a portal into uh, this imaginative uh, fight that takes place between uh, the knights and the pirates and the new Babylonians. And I think a lot of people will realize that when I talk about the new Babylonians, it's uh, there's been a lot of talk about that on uh, you know world politics at the moment. So it's kind of connected to that as well. It, it sounds fascinating. 
<laughs> just by what he's just told us already. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different things that I've read about that, uh, you know, when the biblical plagues, for instance, took place, um, I brought in some biblical history into the book as well. Oh, right. Right. Where, you know, the the Templars have manufactured genetically engineered uh, giant locusts with scorpion sting, stinging tails, which is a description of a, the uh, giant locusts in the book of Eliphaz, I think it's called, which have uh, hair of a woman. Sharp teeth, breastplate, breastplates of iron, and a scorpion tinging, stinging tail. So, is, is, is his name Elon Musk? <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're joking. That, that was, yeah. <laughs> I just popped <laughs> out. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. So, yeah, no, it's okay. The, uh, so they released these these monstrous uh, giant locusts. Um, they attacked the Babylonians, uh, the new Babylonians, as part of the uh, part of the book. Uh, when's it out again, Sean? Is it, is it, is it October? You, well, you, you pre-order it now for October, and you get a hardback copy. Or a, you can order a softback copy as well, but there's various options there. Like uh, we've got a replica Templar sword as a bookmark, and the the promo video is on the SeanWilliamson.com uh, website, and there's also an option to buy one of the swords I've been creating in stone, which is a uh, again, uh, an exact replica of a Templar sword discovered in Scotland, and but I've carved it in stone, uh, which gives it another, obviously, another dimension. And and you, you hand carved it yourself? Yeah, I, I carved that out of uh, oh, wow. Cumbrian slate. Yeah, as it's it was really mainly to inspire the video team because, of yeah. course. You know, they're, they're working on a film at the moment, but uh, when the video game comes out, it's uh, it's part of a package of interesting modern artifacts, shall we say, to uh, to help promote what the team uh, are are doing. You know, with the video game, and there's there's little uh, slots in the Questers promo video of what's going on in the video game as well, and landscape. A photograph from the north of Scotland, castles, Sinclair castles, all that stuff, and uh, it's the it's the beginning of it really. And uh, you pre-order now, and I think people get their books in that special edition. It's called by early October. That sounds brilliant. Um, this game, um, do you know what? I mean, I could be wrong, but. Would you have a like a sort of look a bit like um, like Assassin's Creed type, like that kind of of a game where there's like a character? Is that what, what kind of game it'll be? Yeah, that's 
that's uh, that's one of the ones that I I, I always I liked. I, I'm not very technically minded. I mean, we've got uh, Nathan, of course, who's uh, a genius in that respect, and he's yeah, you know, he's doing all that stuff. But uh, you could say it was. Some people have said it's like a cross between the Da Vinci Code and uh, Assassin's Creed, but there's a greater depth to it than that because we, you know, we've got the South American landscapes and you know the Chiloé Islands and Antarctica, which is coming. The tunnels under Antarctica, we've got it all uh, going on in this Antarctica. one. Yeah, Antarctica, because of you know. And again, another strange connection was whilst I was in uh, Chile on this island, I picked up a book and read about uh, Ernest Shackleton discovering, you know, get his adventure in Antarctica and his discoveries there. And of course, his crew nearly lost their lives, but they're all stranded on an elephant islands. And this guy called Piloto Luis Pardo, who was a, a Chilean merchant navy officer, yeah. went on a tug and rescued Shackleton's crew. He's very heroic, but never really been uh, not not too much known about. But I ended up getting a commission to sculpt this guy, which yeah. was unveiled on the embankment in in London at the International Maritime Organization, and. Of course, so that's another layer of interest that seems to be, in a way, drawing me back to 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 Chile in that respect. And yeah. you know, and then cut cut to uh, next frame, Admiral Byrd. Do you know what I mean? And I love, uh, it. I love all yeah. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and all the the Admiral Byrd stuff and uh, what he was. Uh, supposed to have discovered and remnants of ancient, possibly Atlantean civilization uh, under under the ice, you know. Uh, so we've got that going on as well, and we've got a fabulous expedition that goes on from the City of Light down into the tunnels under Antarctica or leading to Antarctica. It's a, it's an epic journey that I've kind of condensed into well, it's about sixty six thousand words. Apollo um, oh, Earth has tipped me, mate. Yeah, um, I love it like that. Cause you, just, I mean, you just don't know, do you? No, you I'm, don't. I'm, I'm really fucking <laughs> down there. Uh, well, I, I, I read this. Uh, I'm glad that you're interested in that, obviously, as well. I mean, oh, the, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> I was reading a document the other day. I'll not say where, it's, where it came from, but uh, it's called the Deluge Theory. And it's basically uh, accounts. It's a really well-written document about what happened in the last deluge, the last the last flood, shall we say, and why that occurred, and how the Earth moved out of its uh, its trajectory around the sun, if I've got that right. But the way it moves, it spun, it changed 
slightly changed, not direction, but the the way it was spinning. And it, it apparently there was great uh, an explosion inside the Earth rather than outright being hit by a meteorite or something that caused that. And the whole of the surface of the Earth moved round the molten lava. And apparently Antarctica, there's a theory out that Antarctica came from midway around the Earth where it was hotter. And as it slipped round, it flash froze in Antarctica. And when, when they've discovered animals and stuff from prior to, you know, that, yeah. They found, like, for instance, the woolly mammoth, and it was frozen. Yes, yes, it was frozen in, in the ice. It was flash frozen, but in its mouth were, it had been eating buttercups and spring flowers, you know? Yeah. That backs up that idea, and uh, the, then there's all that uh, interest with the Piri-Reese map, which, of course, shows the landmass under Antarctica uh, and that's been verified by I think it was the American Coast Guard that it's virtually bang on a guy called Charles Hapgood did the research on that uh, maps of the ancient sea kings but it, yeah. it all it, it talks about uh, Atlantean and pre-Atlantean civilizations on the planet of course which Plato does as well the great Greek philosopher, which talks about there being a number of deluges that were that eradicated all evidence of them because nobody right. kept record, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, even if there were records, it's not to say if it was been forged. Yeah, the in, you know, obviously in the paper records, uh, definitely. I mean, papyrus or whatever they were using, skin to make these records to warn people of what was coming. But yeah, this yeah. brings me to the point of the significance of ancient temples, which apparently, in many of them, and I think including Roslyn Chapel, is encoded the catastrophe, the information of coming catastrophes, you know. And mm. for instance, in Rosslyn, they, you'd never believe this, but they've got like stone beehives at the at one end where what the honey drips down into like containers from this stone yeah. beehive. Obviously, they make the hexagonal structured hive inside this stone bee ball, it's called. And apparently, they were watching how the bees behaved as kind of being able to uh, send out messages of, you know, Changes in 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 geophysical uh, happening 
things, shall we say. They were a good reflector of what was going on in the natural environment. And that's why they had these bees there, you know, because they do this yeah. thing called the waggle dance. And it's all, you know, the the bees very, very significant in 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 history of enlightened cultures and you know that very very precious animal uh, insect uh, because of what it provides and what honey can 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 do for us you know yeah uh, but the idea of stone beehives in Rosslyn is just I mean it's mind bending isn't it oh it just uh, I mean towards the end <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, well, like bee, beehives in itself, and the bee. Um, it's, well, it's connected to a few occult reasons, really. I've yeah. cut a few occult meanings around it, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they found bees in... Uh, I think it was in Napoleon's tomb, and he got some. He found them in. I think the Morovingians. Uh, they were always buried with small gold bees in their tombs, eh? Um, significant, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're linked to uh, Templar dynasties. Um, connected sort of but on the on the sort of periphery really yeah yeah and and all this is like parts of this and then the, the book as well Sean. yeah there's the there's there's bits of, of of all these different elements of what you people have would call conspiracy theory in the book and but it's more truth than not, if you see what I mean. I've disguised real facts as fiction because it's the best way to get it across to the people en masse, you know? Yeah, myth. yeah. Um, myth, myth, myth is a great transporter of subliminal message, and that's what I believe Questus is, is doing, you know? I mean, it's hard to, when you're, when you're amongst it in the forest, it's hard to see the trees for the wood, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, uh, it travels di dimensions as well and uh, enables people's imagination to, you know, it's almost like jump starting people's imagination as well. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, um, tying to things what are currently going on yeah i mean i mean like with dimensions there's the stuff what's going on at skinwalker ranch at um cern and probably many other places as well exactly yeah you've got it in one and uh, i knew you'd see that immediately when you know what you did the other night when we had a little bit of a of a chat you know yeah uh, so there's that dimension to it as well and and of course 
you know, some of the great secrets of the, the Templars. Uh, and it, I don't know if you ever saw a, a, a movie. Uh, it was a very, very, it was an international bestseller as well called The Island by Peter Benchley, I think he was called, the author. Yeah, was a and it was about this sect of pirates that were sailing out and robbing ships but in modern times. But they hadn't changed since 1600. They just continued and kept up the same practices. Um, there's an element of that in, in Questus as well, where with the pirate brethren of the coast, which were thought to have been aligned with the Templars at one point in time, particularly after the dissolution of the Templars, um, when the uh, Vatican made war on them, they changed their power base into naval power. And many say that the, the Templars brought in the skull and crossbones then as their flag. It was always used to denominate great graves of knights, as you'll see in, on the island of Rhodes, where there's, where Knights Hospital, of course, that was their, that's one of their strongholds. They were buried under tombstones with skull and crossbones on. They're there for everybody there to see. Uh, but the the Templars transferred their power base, and battles took place in South America, where, of course, the the Spanish and the Italians were uh, empire building. You know, there was a lot of battles yeah, yeah, went on yeah. there. Yeah, so, so there's a lot going on. Um, I felt that the best way to approach it was to write it as a, as a self-contained, imaginative book at the same time as yeah, yeah, for sure. divulging the secrets, yeah. Oh, brilliant, mate, it really does. And you can only imagine, after reading the book and then playing on the game, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's how Assassin's Creed took root, wasn't it? I mean, they they wrote the book, uh, I think, simultaneously with the creation of the game, and it's, the book is another dimension to the Questus universe. But uh, you know, the film and the, the video film, which they're doing uh, different scenes for yeah. now, and. Um, the video game uh, version of events, which I'll be, you know, I'm going to be involved in some of the, uh, you know, like as a creative age, shall we say. I'll yeah, be glad yeah. for me to see how these guys, these tech geniuses work. Uh, but what oh. I've seen so far, it's fab fabulous stuff. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask when when you um, when do you expect the game to come out, or is that um, do you not quite know yet, Sharp? I I don't know. Nathan knows those those technical questions. Uh, it's it's a very new thing. It, it's only just out now. The uh, yeah yeah. 
the special editions and stuff and uh you know nathan had told me about the uh your interesting show etc and uh and 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 diving into the depths and all that stuff and i just thought wow it would be fabulous if we could you know if we get general get on generally show you know yeah thanks mate uh, it just sounds so fascinating but i'll tell you I, i'll I, wow. is it all right if i tell you a little thing that happened that andrew i'll share a a, a confidence yes of with course you. mate whatever you want uh, it's quite interesting because it really does put a value on what we've been speaking about because yeah yeah uh, he, he was a he was very much a, a mega academic he was an oxford prof, uh, sorry a cambridge scholar cambridge university don he'd been to harvard he taught all over the world in the universities he'd written in hollywood and one night whilst i'm down there in london uh at his apartments overlooking the river thames he tells me of an event and i i'm thinking this is so unusual for this to be to be having been told this and yeah. he said he, he got a he got a, a phone call uh, to meet somebody similar to himself at one of the shall we say a safe house or i'm not going to go into any of the secret service stuff but it was a place where other other of their types had gone and he was invited for dinner and whilst this this guy this guy was a, a, a you know strangely from uh, i think it was east germany and he was an old older guy he was in his 70s and andrew at that time would have been 82 or something like that and he was saying to him he was asking about information on the grail he was really reaming andrew for as much information on the grail as he possibly could the notion of the holy grail the secrets of the grail shall we say and i thought that was incredible and of course andrew had had he'd had a good evening with this guy and this guy disappeared i don't know whether this guy was given any information or not but then when andrew had a background check uh done on him uh you know who he was supposed to check out who he said he was and stuff he found out that this guy had died in the black forest in the in the late 70s or early 80s or something so he'd made up uh he'd made up who he was and it was it was it was based on somebody who died in 1979 1980 in the black forest i mean what's that about you know what's going on there yeah yeah that sounds a bit um Bit sneaky, that doesn't it? Makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he, he actually told Andrew, he said, uh, "We know quite a lot about you. We know obviously your books." And I said, "But we also know that you write from an octagonal room overlooking the River Thames." Of course, he did. 
it was in the shape of an octagon, which is a eight-sided figure revered by the Templars. And that was not, that was just by chance, that coincidence that Andrew should be writing the main Templar historian in an octagonal room, you know, overlooking yeah. the Templars. But this German guy knew, you know. Wonder who he really was. Well, who knows, mate? Who knows? You know, maybe you know, like, you know, like Hitler was involved in uh, Thule Society and stuff like that. Yeah, he, yeah. He was involved in all that Grail stuff as well, wasn't he? So. And of course, uh, there was Nazi Grail hunters as well, wasn't there? Yes, yes. Um, they just they try get their hands on a lot of things, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and you know, brings you back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course. But there was probably more to yeah. that than met the eye as well. Yeah, uh, man. I think I think you'll uh, I think it's gonna really buzz a lot of people and get them involved in this Templar universe and uh, it's strange I was talking to Nathan before about Saint Bernard of Clairvaux who was involved in creating the creation of the Templars for the Cistercian uh, monks and yeah uh he'd said that the knights were not just prepared to fight physically against uh, the soldiers but they were also prepared to fight demons armored by faith so right that was quite that was that, that was quite a strange uh well not strange but uh thing that made me think that there's a lot more to the Templars and meet the eye and where they came from, their background and uh, was there an order before the, the, the original uh, order of the Temple of Solomon shall we say, poor Knights of Christ was there some connection to the two say for instance uh, which Andrew talked quite a lot about were the warrior masons of Zorobabel who fought with a sword in the one ha in the one hand whilst carrying the trowel in the other to build uh, to build the second temple and uh, walls around Jerusalem so it could be that the Templars were picking up on a very ancient uh, or coming from a very ancient rooted system of knights from the bible yeah possibly maybe, yeah yeah continuation yeah i think it's like um they they, they only want us well, to think they want us to think one thing when it's probably something completely the opposite yeah yeah like like a, a huge misconception yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's it's their strategy, shall we say? You know. Yeah. 
and misinformation that people are being fed all the time about their own history. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but still, uh, you'd think that people would um, see things for what they really are. But that's what's frightening, Sean. They don't. It's like you're talking to a wall. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's. Uh, I think that's what I tried to portray with Angus because he's, he's although he's, he's strong physically, he's also got. He's vulnerable. He's supposed to have a neurological issue, but it's not. It's as it says in the Questus video. That's the ringing of the bell to go yeah. to this yeah. other realm. Um, it's almost like if we can strengthen ourselves inside out, then everything becomes better in our own existence in reality. It's an inner journey. And of course, that's what the Templars did. You know, they had to overcome. And most of them were, a lot of them were murderers to start with. They, they, you know, they were barons or whatever that had, 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 you know, asked for forgiveness and various degrees of sin. The, the, some of the knights that came in and adjusted themselves through prayer and fasting and eating, eating, uh, not, you know, in, in, in overcoming gluttony and all these different seven deadly sins, shall we say, to become what they were, which were, you know, fabulous warrior monks that were gentle as lambs, but also ferocious as lions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what what um, will will the the character Angus have that uh, mindset as well? Well, he doesn't to start with. He's a bit wayward, you know. He likes to yeah. he likes to get out and have a few bevies and stuff, and he doesn't like injustices and. He's got like a, a sixth sense. He's quite good at picking up if something's not right or people are not right or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he's caught. He's he, 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 whilst he's fusing between the two, you know, the Angus now and the the Grail Knight. He, he yeah. can't see. He, he's split into two in 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 in, in, in some way. That that resolves itself eventually uh, at uh, a stone circle or henge portal situation uh, in yeah. Scotland, and you know he carry he has a a Viking sword which is the famous I always get the pronunciation of this right the Ulfra Breck I think it's called which is well, it's like cart springs it was something that you could virtually bend into and it would get back fall back into the same shape very sharp yeah. pure blade that you don't know to this day how they were created you know uh, the smelting techniques angus has one of these this is his main weapon and of course the uh the sort of sawn off shotgun as well which uh <laughs> to, <laughs> brilliant, <Great> brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, 
He's even got, he's even got, in, he finds in uh, Chiloé uh, a rogue bull terrier, which uh, he takes with him to the City of Light with Vanessa Bermodes. Uh, they, they, they take this dog because they look at they want to look after him. They say, we can't leave him on the island. You know, we, we'll take, uh, take him with us. El Nino is called. And, right, right. Uh, and he doesn't know why he's got this dog or why he's looking after him, you know. And it turns out that in one of the battles against the new Babylonians, uh, they set, you, you know those robot dogs that you see? The... Uh, on Boston, it's the Boston yeah. Institute or something, and you've got these crazy dogs that are going that can you can kick them over and they get back up again. Well, there's the new Babylonians set an advanced version of those, but like a pack of like a thousand of these bots. And but in the meantime, El Nino's purpose, as is you know. God in nature, shall we say, he gathers up all the local stray dogs, and the but the, the robot dogs have only been uh, manufactured to kill humans. That's what they are looking for. So the stray dogs, which El Nino leads, have got an advantage over them. And there's a big fight between El Nino leading the stray, stray dogs against the AI robot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant mate it really does sound fascinating um, I'm sure wait. I really can't wait uh, I'm, I'm sure that Nathan will uh, will get a book to you as soon as he can you know oh nice one mate thank you thank yeah. you uh, we'll uh, You'll be you'll be able to preview it as well. <laughs> oh, nice one! Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, we, do you want to wrap part one up, Sean? And um, but before you go, let everybody know again where they can get hold of you a new website. I will I will put all the links in the show notes and that as well. Yeah, uh, I just want to say uh, you know big 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 thanks to you, General Lee. That's uh, it's a great platform to to be on and hopefully a lot of people in manchester uh, will get to see and hear what's going on but it's yes, sean seanwilliamson.com s-h-a-w-n williamson.com and there's pre-order options available uh, the questus promo is there also and you know purchase options and uh, for this special edition before the main bulk is released shall we say and uh, we you know we're we're, we're glad that uh, you know you're going to be able to support us so i guess that's questus one uh first part finished and in questus quest in sorry in uh, part two We'd, I'm going to give you some more information on the Templars, but also some uh, interesting information that I've developed for the the, the second book, Questus Two, and of course, like Assassin's Creed, there were several yeah. books there through several ages, and 
you know, Questus yes. will be doing that, but in a different way. Brilliant, yeah. mate. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. John, it has been a, a, a true honour speaking to you, um, but I'll be speaking to you again soon anyway, definitely. Um, yeah, and it, that was it's great mate. to have... Oh, thanks. Thanks, generally. It's great to have the Manchester connection as well. That's fabulous. It's... Uh, Thank you. you know, city Thank you. city uh, should be the capital of the UK. <laughs> the capital of the world, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, Sean. Um, I'll stop recording now, mate. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks, mate.